Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Just leave! Leave the house! Bill Paxton was sure, sure the cops were going to stop him. <laughs> there, there was four alternate endings. Not just the theatrical endings. When I was growing up, there were Halloween things for kids that were legitimately scary. Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I got a lady coming over. Maybe you got a. Uh, yeah. You got a couple guys. Sixer. I think I got a sixer. Hello, I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field, and you're listening to the Forgotten Horror Podcast. <laughs> That's right, for the month of October, Forgotten Cinema will be sinking their teeth into a horror movie a week. Each episode, we will highlight a horror movie that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, maybe audiences were too scared to see it in theaters, or the movie simply didn't catch on in its initial run. We'll break down all aspects of the movie, as well as discuss what we love or perhaps don't love about the movie. But we'll always suggest that you revisit it. If you love our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Nice. Right? Ooh. Spooky. That's the last time I'll do that. Uh, we got a few weeks left of this. We just started. Is going to be a, a new horror sound every week? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, like screeching cats? Right, is that horror? That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Aww. All right, so this, for the start us off, it's not a surprise because we announced it last week, and I mean, I think we probably have promos up as well, uh, so we, I mean, you know, uh, you shouldn't we're be shocked. We're all about the season. You shouldn't be shocked that we're doing the like, what, what, neo-noir vampire, we- vampire western Near Dark. So I'm going to break that down for you. Near Dark stars Adrian Pastar as Caleb. I don't know if I said that name right. Pastor? Pastar? I don't know if they ever said his last name. I'm sure they they said Mr. Pastor for the... uh, I don't know, whatever. As Caleb Colton, uh, Jenny Wright as May, Lance Henriksen as Jesse Hooker, Bill Paxton as Severin, Jeanette Goldstein as Diamondback. You may remember her as Vasquez in Aliens. Oh, yeah. Tim Thomerson as Loy Colton, and Joshua John Miller as Homer. Who the hell are you people? I'm Jesse Hooker. I believe you already met May. Diamondback. Oh, what's this fucking nightmare? Severin. And I'm Homer. That's H-O-M-E-R. Mispronounce it and I wouldn't want to be you. You you don't know him from River's Edge. I know him from River's Edge. That's We talked about that, I think, a couple episodes ago. Or maybe we did. I, I, yeah, when I yeah. looked up like where he, what he was in, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah we talked about yeah. that. So anyway, so this, uh, it's... Pretty much what I said, a vampire western. Movie starts off with Caleb going into town. He sees this beautiful girl, May. How they spend the night together. Not in that way, but they just kind of like drive around. Hang and stuff out, like, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he pressures her for a kiss in his you know creepy way. And she bites him, which turns him. Uh, the vampires pick him up. And you know they, they're going to kill him. But May begs them to not kill him you know, because they're in love. And so they say they has to prove himself and they go about, you know, the next night you, you kind of learn about like how they, how they feed, how they hunt. And you know, that, that Caleb has to hunt like them. 
and he just can't do it. So he ends up just drinking from May. Like she'll kill somebody and then he'll drink from her to kind of keep his strength up. Uh, and, and then, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, I, I know I'm simplifying it, but that's it. Like he's, he's with them and, and they're a family, but like he, he, you know, you have, you have the other side of the story where his father and his, uh, his young sister are searching for him and they're, they're traveling all across the Midwest. This takes place. Caleb's from Oklahoma, but they end up going to Kansas, Kansas and, and but, but he, the father, the father goes in, to Texas, goes to Texas, actually goes to Waco. And uh, and so yeah, so it's it's kind of they kind of all circle around. They uh, towards the end they they have this huge thing where they're uh, they they murder like all these guys in the bar. They escape, but they let Caleb lets one guy go because he can't kill him because you know they said you know and so they escape to a motel and they're gonna you know they're furious with him. They get to the motel, they get surrounded by cops in the midday. They break out. Caleb saves them. They go to another motel and then through. Kismet, but a series of happenstance. Yeah, they <laughs> they actually run into Caleb's family, and then you know they they try to kidnap the his sister, and they're gonna kill the father, but they escape. And Caleb escapes with them, and then you know Caleb is 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 saved by his father by transfusing his blood, so he becomes less no vamp. They take the vampire blood out, and they put the human blood in, and he's a human now, and. And then, and then there's like a final fight at the end, kind of. No, there is. There's a final fight at the yeah. end. Um, again, Standoff. Again, that's probably not the best description. The, the log line was probably the best description of the movie. I should probably just left I'll it there. I'll cut the rest of this out. Oh, <laughs> damn. But anyways, let's. Uh, so that's pretty much what it's uh, kind of in a nutshell, what it's about. Let me give you some production facts. This movie was released, as I said, in 1987. It was released on October 2nd. 1987 on only 262 screens up against the the father son classic like father like son <laughs> starring Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore which I've seen unfortunately 262 screens is a limited release yeah and I don't think it ever got above maybe in the 300s really so it never it never was a big opening. And I've got some stuff in there that maybe why it wasn't a big open, but I, uh, you know, who knows? Um, it's rated R, ninety-five minutes, had a five million dollar budget. Its total gross for the for for its total gross total was three point three million. Its opening weekend was six hundred thirty-five thousand. So clearly, you can see why you know it's not wasn't successful, or I guess didn't get enough. Um, I was going to say views. Didn't get enough views or hits. Didn't get enough likes. Clicks. You didn't, didn't get subscribe to uh, Near Dark enough. Not enough people clicked on Near Dark. Uh, the week before, so the week before, no, the 25th, the September 25th will be the week before. Yeah. Uh, the Princess Bride came out limited. And then on October 9th, it was a wide release. So clear, everybody knows what The Princess Bride is. It's a bigger movie. The f- I think we had another movie where we did where it was a sorcerer, where it was smack in the dab, of, smack in the middle of um, the limited release of Star Wars and then the wide release of Star Wars. Wasn't it like I think that yeah was it was Sorcerer, Sorcerer. not Star Chamber yeah so even though the, the Princess Bride is not Star Wars in terms of it's gross but this movie is right in the middle of, again of a limited release it's popular a wide release of a, of a big movie yeah so that this you know I don't know just kind of like symbolic of that I'm kind of surprised Princess Bride is October though well it seems wide? more like a December uh yeah okay because it's limited yeah because it I seems mean, like more like a Christmas time kind of movie. Well, look at the look. If you look at the Princess Bride, it's not. I mean, is that really a? Can you really say like that's a summer movie or 
a holiday movie because they probably didn't know what to do with it. I would say it's like a November movie. Well, I mean, this now, is nowadays, yeah, I don't, I yeah. can't speak to 1987. True, true. So this is true. You can't. Uh, the week before the 25th. I, I was born in 1987. <laughs> oh, so Mike was. Uh, well, you were born in what year? What I was born month? in May. I was. That's right. I was so, five months old. I was five not old. quite yet. You were not the you didn't go see near dark in the theater. They, you know, my parents didn't take me. It was parents should bring you in for free and sit down. No, my parents uh, were responsible. Child doesn't not, pay, right? <laughs> they did not bring me to see a movie until I was like four <laughs> or five. Side note: We have many parents that come in with kids under the age of four or five to see horror movies. Oh yeah, at that for the midnight show. Many, many, many times. More times than it. We just don't. We shake our head. <laughs> Back to this. So. um the week before the 25th to 18th, Fatal Attraction came out. So that was a pretty big movie, obviously, yep. cooking cooking bunnies and whatnot. Bunny gone. Uh, so, and then on the flip side of that, on October 9th, I told you The Princess Bride was wide release. We also had 3 O'Clock High, which, uh, did you like that movie? Did you see that movie? Uh, Buddy Ravel. No one touches there, the fight at the end. No, I've yeah. seen a long time ago. That movie's awesome. That movie's awesome. Okay. Okay. I barely and remember. Then, I know I've seen it, but. <laughs> and then the, the Diane Keaton um, in Vermont. Making jam, baby boom. <laughs> you don't remember that one? I don't know what that. So is. she plays a exec in the city, and she—I don't remember if she adopts a child or the child. She gets a baby, but it's not. I I don't know if like she it's her sisters or something. For some reason, she gets a baby. I don't think she adopts it. I don't think she. I don't know. I'm I'm doing that disservice. But she takes the baby, moves to Vermont to take to raise the baby. And uh, like she's a person in the city, back in the country, you know, doesn't know what she's doing. Then, but then she ends up making jam and selling it and becoming. uh, She has a love interest with uh, Sam Shepard, who's like the vet. I think he's the vet. Yeah, I liked it. Cool. Don't look at me like that. I liked it. uh, Well, I'm just listening. Sounds like a lady doc Hollywood. Yeah. No. No. It's not. It's not doc. No. No. I'm doing it a disservice. But I haven't (laughs) seen it. Doc Hollywood's cars. Everybody knows that. <laughs> um, so, and then, I don't know why I have this. Oh, I know why. So, on October 23rd, you have the movie Prince of Darkness that came out. The only reason I have that is because that's the next horror movie after Near Dark. So, I thought maybe, because that's, more people know Prince of Darkness. And you're looking at me like you don't know it. I'm just trying to familiarize myself with Prince of Darkness. That's, um, that's with uh, Bill Pullman. You never, you've never seen that? Is that the one with like the, the creepy vampire guy? Yeah, you're gonna have to be more specific than well, creepy vampire I'm guy. I'm trying to look up some facts. <laughs> well, as you look that up, I will continue to give yeah, you keep, more. Give me, give me more facts. Give me more facts. Okay, so this movie's directed by Catherine Bigelow. You may remember her from Hurt Locker, Strange Days, which is something we'll be doing soon. Point Break, uh, Zero Dark Thirty. This movie's also written by Bigelow and Eric Red, who is well, what what I know him from in terms of what I looked him up was The Hitcher. Did did you did you figure out what Prince of Darkness? This lady is? has no face. I have definitely not seen this movie. This is not what I thought it was, uh, but it looks pretty gross. So uh, keep it on the docket for next year's. Uh, or, What's up, uh, Prince of Darkness? Prince of Darkness. I can't believe you don't know Prince of Dark. Donald Pleasance. No, I mean it looks. John cool. Carpenter. I'm looking at all the people like. And you don't know this movie? I am really surprised. There are I don't some know horror fans out here that are shaking their head. Listen, I'm shaking my head. I took a class in horror films. Shame on you. In I, college. I don't, and I didn't, I'm starting to think you didn't. Everybody. Anyways. That's pretty sad. Anyways. <laughs> so like I said, directed by Catherine Bigelow. She wrote it as well with Eric Red. Shot in Arizona, Texas, and parts of California. This was the last movie produced by DEG Entertainment. 
Now, do you remember that from our last couple episodes ago? Yes. Yes. Okay. So DEG Entertainment, for those who don't remember, was formed in order to release Blue Velvet, which was 84. So now three years later, this was the last movie because the studio went bankrupt after this movie. They kept taking too many risks? uh, I guess. I don't know. I mean, so it went bankrupt, so no publicity for Near Dark because of that, which is Probably one of the reasons why so it's got a pretty it decent a cast. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Lance Henriksen has already done Aliens. Well, that's the whole thing. Like Lance Henriksen and Goldstein, which you may remember as Vasquez from Aliens. Absolutely, and uh, John Connor's stepmom. Okay, and Wolfie's <laughs> fine. <laughs> and um, Bill Paxton, who I dearly miss in movies and yes. TV. Uh, rest in peace. They all three came from Aliens because Cameron. I I don't know if they were married at this point or they were dating, but they were together. Right. Uh, uh, James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow, and I think he just said like, "Hey, use these, you know, use these guys." And actually, they were going to use Michael Bean was supposed to play Jesse Hooker's part, uh, Henriksen's part, but he didn't like the script, so he did, he uh, he opted out. So he so you could have had Michael Bean in there instead of Lance Henriksen. I really like Michael Bean, but I think Lance Henriksen, well, a he he really does a great great part uh, job at this part, but also he looks more the part. When you see him, it's like, oh man, that is really. I believe him like he fought for the South and he looks gaunt and Which, I, I don't know if yeah. Bean really would have. Well, the, the South part is actually all from Henriksen. He's the one that suggested that nice. in, there, in there when they were, you know, creating the character. Hey, Jesse, there's something I'm meaning to ask you. Yeah, what might that be? How old are you? Let's put it this way. I fought for the South. South. We lost. <laughs> but also Henriksen has a B I don't want to say maybe he does have a B movie Halloween horror cult following. Oh absolutely, yeah. You know, from Pumpkinhead and stuff like that. So he's in a lot of that stuff too. I don't I didn't look and see if like that was before this movie or what it came after, you know, maybe like after he did Near Dark, he just started doing a bunch of these other things. But Yeah, spitball from there. That was kind of like where he and still is, I think, you know, where he kind of... Pumpkinhead was the year after. Okay, so where he kind of ruminated was in that world of horror and stuff yes. like that. So, no. So, I definitely think that maybe this movie, like, helped him along in terms of, like, in, in, in that career path, which is good. Right. Uh, this was also released the same year as The Lost Boys, which came out in July 31st. So, I guess, much like when you see, like, Deep Impact and Volcano, Armageddon... No, Armageddon and Deep Armageddon Impact, Impact. Yep. Volcano and Dante's Peak... You know, you, you know, movies with the same kind of premise come out at the same time. So I think probably what else might have hurt Near Dark was it wasn't The Lost Boys. And The Lost Boys has, like, you know, all young Hollywood in there. And they're all, like, you know, got all the music. and It's more fun and it's more accessible yeah. than this film. Oh, absolutely. Plus, you know, with The Lost Boys, and we'll get into a little bit with Near Dark, The Lost Boys, they, they've got fangs. There's more of the vampire lore in here. And Near Dark, it's more like... You don't know what the rules are, and they never say the word vampire in the movie. Yeah, I, I've got that in mind. Yeah. yeah, so it's not really like this is a vampire movie. They're just these guys suck blood. We're, you, obviously, they are vampires, but we're not going to admit that. So they kind of do that kind of way. Yeah, I feel like they know what vampires are. Well, they won't say it, but, but like, they won't say it. Right. But I feel like especially when Caleb gets back with his dad, and he's like, can, can a hospital fix this? And he's burning. Like, I, like, I'm not quite human anymore. He knows. Like, yeah. They don't want to say vampire, but that it's like when the, the Walking Dead only calls zombies walkers. Yeah. Like, come on. 
<laughs> Call them zombies. You know what they are. Well, part of the well, part of the reason maybe why they don't include the the vampire name or kind of reference it too much is that this was originally going to be a western, and Bigelow and Red wanted to do a western, but they couldn't get funding. So they were suggested, hey, why don't you mix genres? And they opted. They wanted to combine horror and western. So that's that's where they came came up with this. So, and I guess. Um, maybe someone suggested them vampires because not only was you know the Lost was eighty seven, so clearly like you know th- we're saying this movie was released in eighty seven, but this movie probably was shot in eighty six, maybe early eighty seven or probably mid eighty six, which means Lost was was in production, yep. so they already knew that oh yeah this is hot now this is going to be the big thing because in eighty five Fright Night came out Fright Night was big, so I think probably someone was just like vampires are the thing now why don't you make you guys vampires and then that's where you get near dark yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. This is no, how it comes together. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I have for facts in terms of just kind of like the production in and of itself, you know, the creation of it. So what did, when was the last time you saw it? So I have seen this, I watched this in film class, not the horror film class, just film class. Well, you didn't watch Prince of Darkness. I so know, yeah. right? So uh, I had to watch this in film class. I had already seen bits and pieces, but never the full film. And I really enjoyed it when I watched it in film class. And then I probably watched it I want to say four or five years ago. But yeah, I really enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it then. I enjoy it now. Um, There's a lot to like about this film. Right. Well, one thing that we had the problem with, or you had trouble with, was finding the movie. Like, I own the movie. Yes, I was surprised as well. I own this movie on DVD, and Mike actually borrowed mine. Yes. But um, we could not find this movie streaming. We could not find this movie on, like, Stars or HBO or anything like that. Couldn't even rent it. Couldn't even purchase could, it digitally. Could, I don't know if you could rent it from Amazon on disc, but it was available to buy, obviously. But you, I only saw, like, even, used copies for, like, 66 bucks. Yeah, I, I was... And that might be just maybe it's locked up in some kind of litigation. Maybe, must, like, they because, don't have... I mean, yeah. I don't want to, you know... And I say, oh, no, they're making money off of dead people. But that's what happens when actors die, usually... You know, the studios try to do a push like, oh, he's in, you know, the cultural zeitgeist now. Let's push this out. Bill Paxton passed away, what, two years ago, three years ago now? That's a while ago, yeah. Yeah, But not too, too long ago. You'd think they'd have put out a new version or or put it back out digitally to purchase, but. Maybe they did. I mean, if he died that while ago, he died in. He died in 2017, February 2017. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm little, surprised little, they didn't like well, do almost three push, years in this February. Yeah, like a Bill Paxton collection because this would definitely be in it. Well, what's funny is that they announced a remake in t- 2006, Rogue Pictures and Platinum Dunes. I thought they had announced yeah. something, and then they canceled time. it in 2008 because it was because of similarities with Twilight. Which number one, why are you what? making a sequel to Near Dark and you're making it like a Twilight movie? I don't understand that. And number two. Why are you afraid of Twilight? If, if if you are making the Near Dark remake similar to how it was, how it's dirty and gritty and it's, right. you know what I mean? Twilight's nothing like that. Your so, fan base is completely different. Right. Um, so I didn't get that. Uh, and also, I don't know if I'd want a remake. I can understand a, a sequel, maybe. You're not going to get the same characters. They're all gone. Fun fact in my Ooh, notes at the bottom. Nice. So I talk about they could easily do a prequel, but they'd have to re-release the movie somehow. They'd have to show these characters again so that you can look back on Jesse's backstory. Or even, uh, I mean, it would be weird and kind of creepy, but that might work to it if we went back and saw Homer's backstory as prequels. So if you did a sequel to this, okay, you would have Caleb and May broken up. Clearly, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm. They don't really know I'm, each other. That's, I'm that's a human the whole now. thing. F yeah, you. <laughs> but at the end, they they hug, but you don't really see much more of that. So, which I didn't like. I didn't like. Um, 
the ending shot. The, the last s- shot? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. At first when I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's weird. But then I thought, well, actually, when they pause the screen cap, what you get is Caleb in darkness and May in the light to kind of show, and they're hugging. So May took Caleb from the light, this, this happy family, and pulled him into darkness, showed him this world of darkness. Caleb did the opposite by the end. He pulled her out of this world of darkness and showed her the light. Right. So she's bathed in light, he's bathed in darkness, and that's kind of the yin and the yang, the kind of like what they've done for each other. I gotcha. So okay. that's kind of like kind of like in Rocky House, Sylvester Stallone wanted to get that final shot, his most, uh, like when he's hugging Adrian. You're talking about Rocky, first Rocky. The first Rocky. He pauses it at his most elated moment because that's Rocky at his happiest. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why, you yeah, know, Catherine Brigolo decided, you know, I think this is the best shot for well, the end of this. The movie. original ending was that they were going to go walk out into and meet his sister and they're going to walk out in the sun. The sister was going to start burning and they were like, they didn't want to leave it like that because that didn't make any sense. So I'm wondering if they shot that and then they were like, shit, we're not going to use that. Let's just <laughs> pause it on a still frame. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Plus, I mean, that's also maybe that's a remnant of the style in that time in the 80s. In, I think so, yeah, yeah, like the freeze so, frame. Right. So that could also be a remnant of just kind of like filmmaking style back then. But um, your point is valid as well. Yeah. Not that I'm saying it's not right, but yeah. So anyway, back to the sequel <laughs> idea. So May is older. They're both what, older, what, Caleb on. and is May. This like, I feel like we're like, is this pitch session? This is like pitch is session, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But if you did it, you could have her be, you know, she didn't end up liking being human. She has no place. She's been a vampire for so long. You can have her having gone off and tried to find another vampire to bite her, which has led her to, you know. It's only been four years for her. She says it. It was four years Ooh, yeah, ago. That's what I thought. Right, yeah. All right. But well, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Like, you're yeah, dead. That's a long time. Yeah. You're yeah. dead. You can't go back you're to dead. Your life. You can't go back <laughs> to living. So maybe she tries to go off and try to find a vampire, mm-hmm. uh, which are apparently hard to find, although they bite everybody they bite turns into a vampire. So Yeah, well, that's the thing that we will I guess we'll just well, get get into it now. There there are not there are no set of rules that are set up, you know, in terms of like this is what it is. You we're all going into this movie knowing what we've all seen and read yeah, and, and other things yeah right so like their turn they're the way they turn vampires is you just bite them you just get a bite and they stay alive and then boom yeah all you have to do is not die pretty There's much no way you know and i would assume, a couple don't get away like your 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 kill rate's 100 percent. but like and i also i guess you bite them it's not i i assume it doesn't well no it does take because he does feed so it does fully take effect because he feeds from her so he's a vampire yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, you know what's funny is too. The whole is, world would be a vampire in like a matter of months, right? Well, one of the, one of the things that I thought was in terms of comparisons to not just other movies but other like other vampire lore is the science of the blood. And here it's simple. You know, mm-hmm. he's like they they transfuse his blood. They, I mean, that's a lot of blood to transfuse, by the way, and and, and that's fine. It's a movie, but uh, his father basically. Transfuse his blood with Caleb's, replacing all of Caleb's bad vampire blood with his blood, and it's a simple. And the dad's not dead or passed out. Right, it's a simple, <laughs> it's simple science that they use here, and you know we have there is a there is some kind of like suspension, suspension of, of disbelief. Yeah, exactly, suspension of disbelief in terms of that happening. But that and that, I'm I'm not I'm not like that's bullshit. I don't. That's fine. It's fine that that's like that. Um, but in comparison to something like a movie like Blade, where like his his. Uh, love interest in terms of the first blade or yeah, you know, she's yep. developing this vaccine that's going to be able to isolate the blood or so like it's like the the science in blade is so like 
blood centric and just so complex and so just kind of like it's a large part of it right right it's a huge part but like something like this is just like just swap blood out you're fine like you know so and 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 i'm fine both ways with both of it it's just in the comparison to other that's just one i'm using blade as a reference but there's tons of other things you can ref you can you know like dracula and all that stuff you can kind of like compare it to but it's very simple in this one it's not scientific and it's not too mystical it's just right it is right, and I like the messy dirtiness of this movie. Like I like the just kind of like the grit of the unglamorous life of the vampires, and they're not romantic, they're not special. They don't like guys running away. They don't fly up, and then they come back down, and they're like, "Hey, right in front of like it's not like I like the fact that they're a little bit more mortal than immortal." You know what I mean? Like they're not so like they're not so magical. They're not super so powerful. That right. It's ridiculous. Right. Because because when you have a lot of these vampire movies, you're, the vampires are always like, oh, we, you know, we take our place. We're going to be all they're all powerful. And you're like, how have you not taken over the world if you're this powerful? You know what I mean? Like and they're like, we've hidden into the night no longer. Like it's always like that kind of stuff. Well, it's always that's also <clears throat> part of that is controlling their number yeah. in terms of some of the vampire stuff where it's like, oh, we hide in the darkness. We I like, gotcha. But in this, it's like like. It's the one thing I don't like is you bite them and they're a vampire right away. It's like the whole world would be vampires. There's none of that aspect of you bite them. Like in most lore, you bite them, you drain most of their blood, and then they have to feed from you, and that's how you get them. But if you just bite them, they walk off and they're like, oh, I got bit. All right, fine. But the thing is that if you're, but, but if, think of it from these guys' perspective, these vampires' perspective, you bite all these people and you turn them all, there's going to be not enough play, people to eat. Oh, I get that you have right. to kill them at the end. My right. thing is just. Are they that good that no, they see, always but, kill every single one? No, I, I, none I think away? I like the fact that like it's the simplicity is good for the movie in terms of plot. But well, I, it just leaves me going. Eh, but I think uh-huh. they're like I think I like the fact that they're like survivors. They're not all powerful. They're trying to just survive in the world. Right. And, you know, when they eat, when they feed, they cover their tracks by burning it so that people don't know that they're eat that who they are. Or look for them or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like that. I just like the grit. I like I like the backdrop, the setting of the Midwest, Oklahoma, just kind of like everything's dirty and dusty. And then, you know, these vampires are not like, you know, hey, be a vampire. We're, it's awesome. We we shine in the light like in Twilight. Being a vampire sounds like it sucks. It does suck. <laughs> so you have to live in a camp. Like they live in a camper and they have to live in a van. It's like they never wash. They never wipe off their face from the blood. It's like yeah. I would not want to live forever as a vampire. No, I, not not the way they are. Which is weird because at the beginning, they kind of set it up that it's it's interesting, it's romantic, it's 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 something that you can aspire to. Like when she May talks about seeing the star and how it took millions of years for the light to get to um, Earth, and she'll see it go out. Right. And it's like, okay, I'd like to see that with you. And it's like, all right, that's interesting. And then it's like, it's all just fairy tales and stuff like that because in real life then you see what how she lives and it's like no yeah, I don't yeah. want to know it's awful it's kind of like almost like drug dealing it's almost like drugs like <laughs> hey take these it makes you feel great it makes you feel great and then you actually see people who are addicted to these things going oh I just gotta get my next high and they're gross and disgusting mm-hmm. I don't want any part of this world gotcha no which yeah. is almost kind of the allegory they're kind of doing is Caleb gets wrapped up into these these bad people was what his dad thinks anyway right right so you bring up May and w- were you what did you think of Jenny Wright as performance-wise? She did, she, she did fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, know what you want from her. I think she's supposed to be kind of 
pulled away and separate and kind of... I don't know. I, I was... Absent? Is that what you didn't like? No, 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 no. I don't know if I was... Some of the some of the dialogue delivery pulled me out. Now, I'm not... Again, I'm not saying that that's anyone's her fault. It might, might just be like it's not that... You know, maybe the dialogue was clunky. But I, I, I just wasn't... There are two things I had a problem with. It was just some of the... In the beginning... You know, and I know that they're trying to make this quick romance because they're right. trying to make and and again, and it's another suspension of disbelief that you know they met one night and you know they're in love when he pretty much kind of like coerces her to kiss him. He's uh, in the it's be- one of my notes. Yeah. Is he's a little rapey at the beginning. Exactly, you come get it. Puts yeah, down, it puts it's like the shirt, the keys down his shirt. Yeah, come on now. And then I when he when that happened, I was like, you're gonna deserve to get bit right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. You're an ass. Yeah, yeah, this is this this needs to happen to you. Her dialogue with his stuff, it just it felt like I wasn't really like all in on it. Whether it was because of delivery performance or dialogue or just maybe I just couldn't it was very difficult for me to buy into the fact that they're gonna, you know, be in love so quick. I didn't that's the one thing I didn't remember that well was how theme they meet and and I think that's why is because I remember all the good parts that I like because I really do like Near sure. Dark and no, I was surprised I didn't know it. As do I. So when I was watching it again, even though I had only watched it like five years ago, I forgot how quick their romance was and how unbelievable it was. Hey, what's going on, son? It's what's coming off. Your face. Clean off. <sighs> Might as well just kill me then, too. And you figure that? Because he's been bit. But he ain't been led. Oh, shit. He's turned by now. Son of a bitch, Jess. He's turned. He comes with us. You know, I do like that the movie is, what, 98 minutes, you said? 95. 95 minutes. It, it's it's very short. Uh, yep. Which is cool. Which is what, what I like in movies. Yes. And especially in a horror movie, you don't want it too long. But I think they are missing stuff with in terms of, you know, exploring the lore a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because they do set up this very, especially back then, very different modern noir vampire. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the progenitor. That and Lost Boys are very much the progenitor of things like Buffy and Angel. Yeah. And the stuff that comes after that. But also the romance between Caleb and May isn't very strong. When she starts to feel for, you know, Sarah and she see, she saves Sarah and stuff like that, you almost don't believe it. Well, that's the thing. Because Caleb's taken so much from her. Well, going back to that, when she saves Sarah at the end, when they're, they're in the uh, the station wagon, she jumps out with him. She meets him on the swing to distract him so that they can take Sarah. Right. So I didn't. I, I was like, so, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, we have to get out. But I feel like in that part, she's still saying what she feels in terms of, I, I love you, why'd you leave me? Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, they made her go say that. But, yeah. you know, she was going to probably do that anyway. Right, right. But also, when she jumps out of that van... And the stunt actress is clearly holding a doll. <laughs> that doll gets crushed. She lands on that doll's head. When I was watching, I was like, that needed a take two because Sarah is dead now. I love the 80s. <laughs> um, the other point I wanted to make was the Joshua John Miller's character of Homer. I have, uh, it's very difficult for me to watch a kid play somebody who's supposed to be older. You know what I mean? I like, have a note about that too because you talked about, we talked about that. On our last episode, uh, last episode that released. So this is going to be a few episodes <laughs> back. So when we talked about House Party, yes, and I knew you'd have this note. You talked about how when you prefer yes. actors to be older playing younger, but characters that's teenagers. Yes. They play. They know that kids don't know anything. Right. When you have a kid, they play wiser. 
and older than they should be and more mature. Yes. So I thought you would have a problem with this, which I thought would be interesting because I think it's great that he played, that the little kid played the older person because they always act like they know everything anyway. I get that. But like, there's a part in that when they're in the bar and the waitress comes up and, and he like looks at her and he, he's like, oh, and he rips the paper. And like, what does that friggin' mean? Like, that's supposed to be scary. You ripped a paper. I think <laughs> I was confused by that too. It almost looked like there was a shot that they cut out. Okay. Because they don't really show her look at him, but no, she true. had to have had, there had to have been a shot where she looks at him funny and that's gotta, that's gotta be his reaction to how she looks at him. I don't know, Because man. she doesn't even look at him, so why would he tear the paper? Right. I just don't, maybe it's just the actor at the time. I just, I just don't, I wasn't I thought he did a it. fantastic oh, job. I, I thought he did a really it. good job. Man. Well, this isn't him, but this is, because you talked about the ending. So, when they break into the, uh, when they bust into the motel and they're hiding and they're, the shootout. Yep. Okay. When the cops are on him and then it's daylight and he starts crying and he's like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out. You know, and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. That's fine. He's deathly afraid of the sunlight. Then they're in the car and she escapes with Sarah and he just busts out, starts running at her. It's like, so now you're not afraid of the sunlight? Well, at that point, I think he's got such a reason to want to live at this point. Like I found I this girl that I want to turn. I want her. And I didn't sense that either. I listen. This movie, like I was reading about a lot of stuff with this movie in right. terms of just kind of like looking back. And there's pe- a lot. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a I look, think there's I, a lot of stuff. And, I, and I'm not. And I don't disagree with anything that I'm reading. But I think people are looking back at this and they're like, "They're this movie's a good movie. This movie's a really good movie." Right. But people are like really looking, really deep diving into this movie and looking for allegories that I do not think are there, and are really kind of like finding stuff that it. I didn't get it all. Like I, I, like I was like, mm. like I, like the stuff at the end, like when he jumps out of the car. Yes. And then they, they're gonna turn around. They're gonna start running them over, and they all blow up. Severin getting on the truck, trying to rip it out. Yeah. These things at the end feel like they're there because this is the end of the movie, and this needs to happen. Well, absolutely. Yeah. There's no real character motivations for you because to me. If these guys are survivors, these people are just trying to, like, I would think that they would just leave. They'd be like, let's get the hell out of here because we, we, know, we don't have time. I mean, I, maybe, also th- yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. I also think at this point in the shootout, at that point, they're like, they've been made. They've been seen by so many people at this point. It's kind of like we've never been this careless. We've never been this noticed before. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's we're going to have to kill Caleb. I, I don't think they've ever wanted to take revenge. That. People don't mean anything to these vampires, clearly. Right. So this is the first guy that means something to him. And in a bad way, they really want him to hurt. Mm-hmm. So they want to go after him. So it almost becomes, and like we've said before, it's a Western. Right. There's got to be the standoff. I get you. And yes. And maybe maybe on the, flip, on the flip side of my argument would be this. It's like there's so many times now in movies, everything needs to be explained. Everything needs to be laid out. You're, you're not supposed to fill in the gaps. It's going to let you know this is what it is. This is what we're saying. This is their motivation. And I get that. And what that ends up doing is that makes your movie two and a half hours because you're trying to show everybody's motivation. Right. And you know sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's muddied. Maybe that's the flip side to my argument. It's like, well, this is a movie that doesn't do that. This is a movie that like you fill in the gaps. You find what we're trying to say here because we're not going to lay it out. Which is nice. Right, exactly. And, I, and honestly, I can... Both arguments I can find validity in. I was just, I think, just watching this movie and just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I guess I'm having both arguments. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the thing to the what you were just saying. 
when you have to look back at a movie and find it for yourself, you're mm-hmm. thinking about the movie afterward. Yeah. You're going out, you're thinking about it a couple of days later, you're going to tell people about it, you're going to have discussions about it. When we watch Marvel movies, when we watch a lot of the movies that we've been, because we watch movies every every Thursday morning, we, we'll watch what's coming out. Right. We talk about them for what? The next two days? And then we don't talk about them anymore. Oh, well, when we talk about not gonna movies, be, I'm not going to be talking about the movie we just watched for the next two days. Exactly. <laughs> when we're in the back office and we're talking about movies, we're talking about movies like Near Dark. We're talking about movies that came out mm-hmm. 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 years ago because they let you talk about them. They let you figure things out for yourself. They right. let you form opinions. This is the kind of movie that makes me want to do movies. This is like, for instance, there's a horror short film competition coming up um, locally around here. Plug! (laughs) (laughs) I hopefully get the time to do it. But I've been kind of like, kind of out of it, not really like that Interested in my story idea and stuff like that. You're now all, po- I'm you're all this podcast all of a sudden, now. You're exactly, all podcast now. Basically. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, please. But like now I'm watching this and I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to do This is something I really want to do. And I'm, I'm thinking about this movie. All these other movies I'm watching, I'm like, get it done. It's like, it's, it's, it's like you say, it's fast food. Mm-hmm. And this movie is not fast food. This is a meal you have to unpack. This is a meal you have to taste everything. This is this has got different p- parts and pieces and, and stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's a reason that in my general film studies class we studied this film uh, that and you know it took place this kind of lined up with october so that's why, <laughs> right, i'm sure right. that's part of the reason the professor chose it but there is a lot to unpack there is a lot to think about in this movie there is a lot that they do with this movie that's very interesting it is a wild west vampire noir so it's I don't know. It's, it's, no, I don't know that's fine. I don't know where I'm going with it's this a, now, but it's it, there's an, it's more to it to unpack. It's yeah. definitely an independent film because it's a $5 million budget. So it's gritty. It's cheap. Uh, cheap. I say cheap in a loving way. I like that. You right. Know, yeah. It's not like there's a, I guess, did you see the thing where um, where Severin's hitching a ride and one guy drives by and gives him the finger? Yeah. That's James Cameron. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, that's him in the car. He visited the set for one night and, and that was him. So like shit like that, you don't, well, there's also the fact that Lance Henriksen got to build his own character, kind of. It's, right, it's he's that the one kind that's of stuff right. unpacks, yeah. and they can create layers to their characters that you can kind of look and see in part of his outfit. And there's also a funny, I don't know if you read about this in your notes, Bill Paxson tells a story about yep. hanging out with Lance Henriksen, and Lance Henriksen, I, I don't know if he's a method actor, but at, at this point he wanted to be, you know, really get into his vampire character. So they finished filming for the day in one of the houses. My guess is the motel, probably. And they wanted to go get drinks at the end, bring back some beer. So Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen get in the car, and Lance Henriksen is full-on Jesse. He's not breaking character. He's still in his outfit, still has the blood and the nails. They go into the liquor store, and he's giving the guy like a hard time, still acting like the vampire, like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. And Bill Paxton was sure, sure the cops were going to stop him <laughs> and give him shit and get arrested. Well, I've got, I've got another story for you. He would okay. drive around at night when they went out breaking, just go drive around as Jesse Hooker, and he got pulled over by a cop, and he was playing... Oh, no, yeah. And he was, no, not pulled over by a cop. He picked up, I think he picked up a hitchhiker. <laughs> and he was playing him, and he scared the shit out of the guy, and he felt bad. He wouldn't break hair, and he gave the guy $80. So, that, don't worry about like, he like, But, like, he, oh, that's awesome. he completely unnerved this guy. Then also, so at the end of the movie, Bill Paxton, playing Severin, uh, has, has half his face is all ripped off, right? Uh, when he gets hit by the truck, So, yeah. I guess every time, every time they, they were, uh, I don't know if it's the downtown scene or every time a train will always go through. So the, one of the days he walked over to the trick conductor and he, and the guy comes out, he's like, Oh man, there's been an accident. If you should see, you should see the, see how I look. You should see the other guy. Like just completely. Down. <laughs> like, so like, yeah, no, they were having some fun, but that's like, that's, 
to your point about the characters and 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 what Lance Henriksen was doing with Jesse Hooker, you know, it's like any great filmmaker wants that. You want your actors to just kind of like trying to bring something else in there. Like, you well, know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Because it talk- means they're really yeah. into it, which means you're going to get a better performance out of them. I think, did we talk about on this podcast about Tom Hanks and about how he talked? Yeah, in the Burbs episode, he talks about how it's the actor's job to, you know, bring motivation to the character. Yes, it's we did. Not, yep. Right. It's not the director's job to just kind of like give him everything or give the actor, actress everything. It's his job, and I, which I think is a great Great note for any actor. Bringing it back to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, again, I this is definitely a movie that I can understand what you're talking about making you want to make movies because you could do this. There's, you know what I mean? Like anybody. Granted, it's five million dollars because you do have people that are coming hot off of Aliens. But like, and you're blowing up trucks. Let's say. Well, here's the thing, though. Let's <laughs> yeah. say Aliens is now. Let's say it came out now. You're not doing this movie. For, you're not doing Near Dark for five million. You're probably not getting these. Three actors. Oh, actors. no, no. Yeah, if exactly. a movie Aliens Big came out now, those guys all of a sudden are demanding. Right. Two, two they're, off doing, they're off doing Netflix shows or Unless something Unless like they really like and they do it for scale. But that's unlikely. Yeah, I know. But, like, this is, like, this is the type of filmmaking that I think we both appreciate. It's just, oh, I want to do this. Give me $5 million. We're going to go do this. And this. We're going to go out in Texas and Arizona. Exactly. We're going to go shoot this. One and of they my do other it. favorite horror movies is Evil Dead. Same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the thing I like about horror movies is so many are done low budget and it's just done by people who are super passionate mm-hmm. who really put something on screen and even if it's just to scare you it's an emotion that really like it brings like it, it stays with you mm-hmm. and that's something that horror films have that not a lot of films have or that, that kind of emotion that really sticks with you. And I hope that comes back. I hope that comes back in terms of not- I don't want to say Hollywood. I don't know if that would come back to Hollywood. I think uh, I think everybody has really looked to the West Coast as like that's where you have to go to make movies, but like you don't. You just that you do have to have connections to distribute your film. Mm-hmm. And they are on the both coast, New York and LA, but you can make this anywhere. You just have to have quality talent and you just have quality storytelling. That's what's rare. That's what's lacking because you just have people that think that they can do things and they can't. But right. There are diamonds in the rough out there, and you know I would love to see more near dark style movies coming out. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't I, I'm kind of tired of seeing big studio, eighty million dollar productions that suck. Ah, suck, but are mediocre. Let that. You know what I mean? Like I, I can forgive. I can forgive a movie like Near Dark because it was five million dollar budget. Because it was, you know, it's 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 a good story. It's short. It's ninety five minutes. And it's told like as succinctly and efficiently as possible. Whether if Near Dark was a sixty million dollar budget, bloated salaries, big locations, you know, same type of script, it probably would be forty. It probably be you know a half hour longer. You know, like I can appreciate the the ninety five minute version, the one that we're watching now. That's not going to get made now. Yeah. The, the the other version. I mean, if your characters, your filming, your locations, your story is gritty and dark and dirty. Your filmmaking should should represent that, and this does, which we haven't really gotten into the the filmmaking aspect of it. Sure, let's so, get into it. Let's get into the soundtrack. <laughs> Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream, <laughs> bringing it back to Sorcerer again. Exactly, it's a great friggin' soundtrack. It is, it is super eighties. Yep. It is super synth. It really fits with the noir vibe. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, if you are, I guess, younger than Mike or Mike's age, and you're not a huge, or my age, and you're not a huge film buff. And you love Stranger Things, and you 
like you know the style and stranger things go back and watch some of the movies that tangerine dream has scored in the 80s and you will you'll dig all of that as well i mean that's just absolutely go find the stuff that was the source material for everyone's hottest netflix show ever you know like go watch the what everyone is talking about yeah definitely no i agree that's a very good soundtrack that's just yeah the also the other is the we haven't even talked about that classic imagery of when they're standing above the bar so that shot's on the poster. It's on oh, the yeah, posters. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so they're all when they before they go into the bar to kill everybody, they they go up on top of that hill and they got that backlit fog that's going, or it's like fog, but it's, it could also be like maybe like dust. I'm not sure, and, right? Because they redo the shot later on with Caleb on the horse at the end of the movie, but I think that's fog when he's when he's going up to have their final showdown. Oh yeah, when he's the cowboy on the horse, the right, cowboy. right. So they, but that's and I also one of the other shots I liked was I like and it's really just like heavy handed, but that's fine. Is the imagery of of the oil pumps behind May and yeah, Caleb have that when Caleb's yep. feeding? Yeah, like I thought that was really cool too. I think that's just kind of like oh, that's a cool shot. You the know, mosquito on his arm at the r- beginning, right? Too. The beginning thing, yeah. No, there's definitely like a lot of stuff that. You know, I appreciate the the stunt work of Caleb running to the van on fire because he that that stuntman is on fire. Oh yeah, his and he face gets is in on that fire. van on fire, and I'm just like, how do they put him out? There's got to be people in the van, in the back <laughs> of the van. The same thing. Yeah, I'm like, he is lit up. I'm like, get in the van. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's definitely a lot of stuff um, filmmaking wise that I liked. Did you like the bar scene? Like the pace of the bar scene. Oh yeah. Okay. It's. No, it's, I'm not saying I didn't. I'm. I'm asking. You. I like that it's uncomfortably drawn out. It's not like this quick like bar fight that you normally see in movies. It is drawn out. It is dirty and it is awkward. It's, like they're just standing there staring at like her when they kill the waitress. They kill and the waitress. Blood, and they're drinking. Yeah. And the bartender stands and watches. The mm-hmm. kids in the back. You get the James other two. Gross signing. Yep. <laughs> the other two bartend. The other two like roughnecks are just like just sitting there and it's just one and one at a time. They're just really messing with him and it's just ugh. the guy Severin kills uh that, that squeezes his head the roadie kind of looking guy yeah it's the same guy from terminator 2 that he takes his wardrobe oh is it yeah it's the same dude nice it's like it's just everyone's just working together <laughs> i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle. <laughs> well, I think Bill Paxton was in the first one. Was He's in, in the one first. The, he yeah. takes, yeah, Arnold takes his clothes in the first movie. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, I was trying to think, like, because the pace is so slow and deliberate in the bar scene that I was like, does, like, like, I'm like, what would my what? How would I react? Would I just completely run away, or would I just like, or would I just stand there and be like, you know, what the hell's happening? Please leave us alone. That kind of thing. Like, well, I don't know. Well, you're looking at it. You're like, do I run? They'll catch me. And Jesse's standing in front of the door. Do I fight back? There's got to be a back door. I can't. But yeah, no, I hear you. It's it's you. yeah. I hear you. What, what the what the hell would you do? Like, Jesse gets shot. No, no. Caleb gets shot in the gut with the shotgun, and he's still walking. Right. I mean, at that point, shoot him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. It's just it's gross and awesome. <laughs> Squishing the head, chopping the neck. It's just wow. Yeah. How do they do that? Oh, he could he cuts up the bartender with the spurs. He used the spurs, yeah. slice them up. Yeah. My whole thing though is in a lot of vampire lore, drinking dead guys is gross. Like they're not supposed to like drinking them after they're dead. Uh, 
stop while they're dying. Like when she they kill the waitress, she's bleeding out. She's but bleeding she's out, still so alive. it's living blood. Yeah, yeah but he squishes that dude's head. He's done. Yeah, he's but done. again, he's dying too. I mean, you could just make you could make that argument. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, but again, again, you're using what you know. Right, I'm applying all, like other right. vampire logic. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is just you know. I do like when Bill Paxton's about to eat. Uh, when Severin's about to eat. The biker guy, and he's like, I hate him when they're not shaved. Yeah, no. He starts gagging because he's sucking on the stubble. <laughs> Gross. I hate him when they ain't been shaved. Oh. And the fact that they don't have fangs. I mean, I'm assuming they do have fangs. They just, you don't see them. You don't them. see them, yeah, because yeah. they go in. Probably because they didn't have the budget for it, the, the, which is fine. 18 pairs, uh, like eight pairs of custom teeth, yeah. Yeah, I know. Bother. Well, I mean, in, in, in comparison to like something like Lost Boys, it's all these all were fangs and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. I love the, um, I love when Caleb doesn't eat. I like that rea- whole reaction, like how, because you don't see that too often in movies, like what happens if a vampire doesn't feed? Like oh, if he, right, if they right, refuse right. to feed, what happens to him? I love the drool that comes out, like the foaming mouth, the mm-hmm. infected bite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's just out of it. Like I really like exploring that and I like how they they, look, well, they did that the first 25 minutes of the movie he's walking stumbling and all the whole like Caleb was just kind of like the whole movie yeah like, the whole first she's 25 sick. minutes you're like enough already man would you eat <laughs> <laughs> I like when he eats the candy bar and he throws it up yeah uh, yeah but that's that, I've seen that before too yeah they don't like food yeah um yeah I was like that he got that whole candy bar for just a quarter the good old days <laughs> so the train ticket was 14 bucks yeah but it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even to where he was going it wasn't even to Oklahoma it was the closest city to yeah, his hometown. Yeah, so I guess yeah, it's such yeah. a small town, which is fine. Not every town has a train going through it. That's true. That's true. Um, to take it back to the cinematography, um, I really enjoyed the look of the the way they used daytime and nighttime. Okay. Daytime being covered in oranges and yellows and bright colors, uh, very much looking like a classic western. And then at night, it's all blues. It's lit up by like streetlights and neon signs. It looks like very minimal um, production lighting was used, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you look at a movie like Red Rock, Red Rock West, which was released around the same time. Red Rock West was ninety two. I think we, saw, a little we said. Bit later. But we talked about how they just used light. All right, let's just light the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though that's also, I would say, that's very similar to a Western noir. Uh, in this film, they really do pay attention to the lighting in terms of using those neon lights, using the street lights to light everything, making everything darker. I feel like this does a lot better job at making it look more like a noir in terms of like the night scenes, and then changing like the world of the daytime is much different than the world of nighttime in this film, which really kind of shows the human world and the vampire world sure. through cinematography, which I really liked. Which was cinematography was by Adam Greenberg, and he did the Terminators, Terminator One, Terminator Two, Ghost. Uh, turn on hooch. Then I'll, uh, don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, stinks on a plane. All right, anyways, he just stinks on a plane. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'm just looking at I'm looking at his filmography here. But yeah, no, no. So yeah, so I get you, grit. I yeah. like that use of lights, which is which is I did notice that the night scenes do kind of represent like kind of the look of the night scenes in Terminator One. Mm-hmm. That was something. Oh, yeah. he did I sphere. There we go. Hey, <laughs> the episode no one will hear. Hold on, we might do that as a Patreon. Like, That's right. Uh, when we start asking for money, because we're bums. We are bums. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Any other big notes you got for me? Uh, I mean, I pretty much went through everything. It, 95 minutes, and it's lean, and it's, you know. It's definitely a great movie to watch around the holiday, around the, the Halloween season, because it's... Oh, absolutely. It's it's a quick watch. It's not, If you're not super into horror movies, if you like the idea of it, but you don't like something too scary, mm-hmm. 
this is a good good one to watch. And it's good mm-hmm. if you're with a group of people. Oh, definitely. And you can't figure out what to watch. You don't know, like, oh, I don't really like horror movies, but I really want to get in the Halloween spirit. Yep. It's an easy one to watch. It's, it's not too bad. It's definitely a double feature material because you want like a short, you want two short movies for double features. Uh, so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. You know, I mean, I'm always a fan of those. I'm always a fan of the double feature night. Uh, I mean, the makeup effects are great. I, I really like the makeup effects, uh, the costume work. For, you know, for such a small budget, they did a really good job making like the boils look on their hands. Yeah. The burnt effects on their faces, they always look dirty, the fingernails, stuff like that. So I wanted to, you know, point that out. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're going to point out the filmmaking stuff. Like, so much about this film, like a lot of care and effort went into it. And also the fact that it's a female director, which sure. even nowadays is is pretty rare for like a horror movie, especially something that's mostly male driven. Uh, honestly, it's pretty rare in general. Yeah, exactly. Which is unfortunate. Which, yeah, it's unfortunate. And it's really cool to see a female director really take on something. And, and for a studio to let so a female director take on something that's kind of male driven, violent, act like a, like a horror action western. You don't mm-hmm. see that even now, like you said, nowadays. Yeah. And for like 1987, for her, Catherine Bigelow to go out and yeah. do a movie like this. Well, she can direct. Oh, she's really great. Absolutely. I mean, I'm interested when we do Strange Days, and I'm interested to see. Because it's not, Strange Days is not, by all, it's not better than Near Dark. I will say that. But, you know, I'm interested to see, hear what you think. Because I I like it. I don't, I wouldn't sit here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, oh, my God, Strange Days is freaking amazing. (laughs) But it's got some really cool stuff. So, And she's good. I like her. I like her a lot. Listen, I like the trailer for Stranger Days. <laughs> there you super go. Super 80s, so I'm really excited it is about super, it, too. Super 80s from the 90s. Super, oh, yeah. <laughs> super, like, late 80s, early Absolutely. 90s, like, this is what the future is going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess it, it's kind of forgotten, partly because it didn't make a lot of money. It didn't, like we talked about, DEG was bankrupt, so it didn't get a lot of press. And it's really, because that's odd, because there are, there are a lot of... We talked about Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron. There are a lot of big names in this: the Hendrickson, Bill Paxton, right? You know, so that's very odd as well. I think it's a, definitely a cult classic. It's definitely something that I mean, I could tell if I say Near Dark to somebody who watches movies, they know what I'm talking about, right? So, uh, the, the lack of marketing is probably the number one thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Like you said, the big names. It's ho- October. It was a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Your next horror movie wasn't until the end of October. It's not like this was overfilled. Well, do you think that this movie, if it came out now and it same thing, same budget, same thing, and it was didn't do well, do you think it would find an audience? Like, I think back then, I think people there weren't as many movies and and there wasn't as much content back then, so you could find these diamonds in the rough kind of thing. I know I used that already for something else in this podcast, <laughs> but you could find it, you know, like. Now no. you can't. Like, but think of it right now. Like we just talked about how you can't get this anywhere. And this is again. This is again going to make me go down the road of how come video stores aren't around anymore. But that's fine. I get it. But you can't get this movie anywhere. It wouldn't. There's such a proliferation of low budget horror flicks. I mean, this and this is a great one. But there is such a proliferation on the streaming sites now that, that if this failed in theaters, it would just go into there and get dumped, and it, you would just find it in. Maybe oh. horror movie. Like oh, a lot of those low budget horror movies are not good. Like when you go but on Netflix, but it gets lost in the pile. I don't, no, I, I so agree. Wh- that's how what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It would I, be, but right. it, well, not only a diamond in a rough, a needle in a haystack. I agreed. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, It'd be a go, lot harder for it to become. You a go classic. through the carousel on Netflix or uh, probably Netflix mostly, and there are a lot of bad things, a lot of bad movies in the horror area that you're just like, like I can just see the poster going, nope. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you can't. You can't. And and you're right. It'll get lost. It'll get lost in all that muck. The one thing that might help it, if it was re-released now and got dumped, and then like Netflix bought it six, seven months later. Yeah. The names. You put those names front and center, maybe you'll get somebody but to watch it. But you're not getting those names now. Like, similar style names now. Like, in terms of, like, where Bill Paxton was in his career then. The compare, the, who, you know, who is it now? You're not getting that name now. They're not They're not doing that movie. They're not. They're just not. Well, then you're not getting true. anybody to true. Lost in time. That dark. being said, I would, you know, if they did Near Dark again, I wouldn't redo it as a film because it was already a film. Do it Here as... Here we go. <laughs> do it as a series. Either... Don't do the regular story. Do it as a sequel series or just have it take place in the same world with different characters, but try to keep that grit. I'm a fan of I don't. Here's my thing. I don't. You reboot. It's going to be too big. No, no, no. The series is fine, but I prefer like Hannibal. Like, I like the fact that each season was a book like it was going to be a book like and I was like kind of, super yeah. psyched for when Hannibal was going to do Sons of the Lambs and then it got that, canceled yeah. and all that stuff like that. So if you're t- if like like movie like a show like Castle Rock which kind of blends a lot of Stephen King's characters together and kind of like it's like a different take but like references certain things and right. stuff like that. I'm okay with something like if this was if there was let's just say they were doing a horror anthology or whatever it is and one season was near dark and they weren't going beyond one season it was going to end you know what I mean like it wasn't going on it wasn't going to be a continuation of these people for the next five years five episodes five seasons excuse me um, I would be okay with that so you're saying a horror anthology show sure that takes cult classic horror films yep. expands upon them yep. in a season and then you go. Go on to the next cult classic horror film. I would be like maybe like six episodes, maybe eight. I, I wouldn't go ten. I dig it. All right. The problem, yeah, is getting the rights to all of them. Well, if I'm a big time, you know, badass producer, I'm sure I could do that. <laughs> I'm so just you're like, that that's let's, what I would prefer. So you're like Jordan Peele, let's say he's he's big sure. in the horror scene now. Yeah. He wants to produce something like that. You think the studios would just be like, all right, like we don't know what to do with this. Sure, we'll give you the rights yeah, well, for. Well, what if he he walks in? Yeah, he walks into Universal or he walks into. Whoever well, Universal is who DG, he deals with, Rogue, yeah. whoever. Which whoever, Universal's got a ton of horror movies. Give me it. Give me your horror franchises that I can use, and I and be like, okay, I'm gonna do this season one, this season two, like that kind of thing. I'm gonna do a take off of each of these for just one season. And if you want to do what they do with American Horror Story in terms of like using the same actors and you know in in the seasons, okay, fine, I'm fine with that. Mm. I I'm I'm. Uh, the, Right, it's very stagey, but yes, right. but I mean, you, that's but that's of... but that's what I'm saying. Like something like AMC's doing the terror, and like they're doing the terror infamy now, which is like takes place on a Japanese internment camp back in the in the right. It's got uh, nothing to do with fifty. No, I know because the again, I don't like this because I read the book The Terror, and when they had <laughs> they did the first series with, uh, I was all into that because I was like I read that, and I liked it. And then I, I, they were like, we're going to turn this into an anthology series. Well, don't call it the terror again. Just call it something else. We're not stupid. You know, but uh, whatever. Right. No, I, I mean, yeah, I would be fine with that. I mean, but like, I don't mind revisiting old stuff. I just don't, I don't want to, like, I don't like shot for shot remakes. Like, I still have yet to see The Lion King. Because I just, I've seen The Lion King. I don't need to see it again. I don't, I don't know why. I just don't. And you saw it. I know you saw it. You liked it. Uh, it, it was okay. Like I didn't like the when they did the shop when they did the remake of Psycho, you know, with um, Vince Vaughn, Gus Van Sant did that. I didn't like that either because I just I, because that was don't give me something I've seen already. Remake, no, though, I know that. Color. I know. I don't. I, I don't mind retelling stories. Although although I I not I didn't get into a fight, but somebody on somebody on um, Twitter was like, "Who would you cast for Indiana Jones?" And I was like, "Nobody." 
like recast. Oh, like, I've I go, seen that. Yeah, yeah, I go nobody. No, the role is so iconic that you can't put like somebody in there like that. I go if you're telling me you want to do a young Indiana Jones, which has already been done, mm-hmm. and you want or you want to do a sequel with the son, you don't have to put Shia LaBeouf in it, but just recast the son. Okay, I'm fine with that. But Harrison Ford is the only Indiana Jones that I will ever know. And now, you know what I mean? There's, it's too iconic. It's too iconic. Would you want somebody to replay Luke Skywalker in a reboot of Star Wars? I don't want anybody to play Indiana Jones either, but exactly. it's, gonna, it's going to happen. It won't be the sequels <laughs> to this. It'll be 20 years from now, but someone else will play Indiana Jones. Someone else will play Luke Skywalker. There will be another original trilogy remake. There will be an Indiana Jones remake. Remakes are inevitable. They've been inevitable forever. Stage plays do remakes and stuff like that. And we're going on a crazy tangent right now because this is <laughs> nowhere near about Near All Dark right, So let's wrap this up. <laughs> so Near Dark is good. You should watch it. It's it, If you have not seen it, you should check it out. If you know somebody who loves horror and you want them to start liking horror, you should show them this. Yep. If you uh, like vampires, if you like Buffy or Angel, any modern kind of vampire right. take. If you're looking for a horror movie to watch, you know, or rewatch during the, this Halloween season, this October season. Near Dark. That's right. I wish we had a movie we could pair it with. I don't want to pair it with another vampire movie. I don't think they should watch Lost Boys and Near Dark together. I was going to say, you could do that and be like, hey, here's the 80s vampire. Maybe. I. You know what? I wouldn't say Lost Boys. I would say the 85 Fright Night. How about that? Okay. Let's pair it with that, two 80s movies. Or you can pair it with the remake of Fright Night, which you're doing in a couple weeks. I think that's our final one, yes. It is our final one. for, the, final for the But no, but like, um, that might be a good one. To, yeah, to re- I can see that. Or The Howling. Monster Maybe Squad? No, you know what? I was watching the Monster Squad the other day. I like the Monster Squad. I'm not a huge fan of Monster I, Squad. You know what? But like, I was rewatching it, and I'm like, this is like budget Goonies. This is like, let's get the kids that are kind of look like Goonies, but they're not. It's almost like GoBots to Transformers almost. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just like, eh. And then like, I'm watching it. It's PG, and they're talking about this, his sister's titties, and I'm like, what? Like, so I would remake the Monster Squad, and, and, and you know, there's two movies that I would remake. Gremlins and Monster Squad? No, 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 no. Monster <laughs> Squad. If someone's like, Mike, I need you to, you know, you're, all, you're a big time director now, remake okay. something, I'll be like, Monster Squad and Midnight Madness. The Disney TV Midnight Madness with Michael J. Fox. Really? Yes. <laughs> I would remake those two in a second. So, yeah, so I think maybe the, the Howling would be a good, maybe that would, something a little bit more serious, not. Oh, the Howling would be, the Howling would be near a good dark, one. Yeah, but no, it's definitely, it's definitely something that you should obviously watch because it's a, it's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's a great filmmaking movie, movie, great movie for people who love filmmaking. Yes. To, to, to kind of like get into. And acting. Yeah, everything, everything about it. are great, yeah. Everything about it. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're all, we're all in on near dark, I think. Much more of these movies we're all in on. I mean, I, even though we we're nitpicking and stuff like that, it's oh, yeah. just, it's done with love. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You, if we didn't like these movies, we wouldn't have chosen them. Yeah. And you don't really unpack a movie that you don't like. We're trying to unpack movies that, you know, people don't like talk about. I don't, I, mean, I don't know why I'm starting to do the byline for our <laughs> cinema podcast. Start it up again. Hey, what's up? Um, so, yeah. So, okay, we're done. All right. <laughs> so, plug time? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, go ahead. I got two other podcasts I do. I'm going to keep this one shorter. I'm going to try to shorten it up a little bit. Nice. I got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews where we talk about a different craft beer every week, and then we go over the different week's pop culture news and reviews and what we've been watching. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games, uh, where you can join me and my brother Alex, where we talk about all things related to video games, previews, reviews, and news on all current systems, including PC and VR. 
And those two podcasts can be found anywhere podcasts are available. And you can also find us all over the social medias. And that's what I got going on. I have nothing. No. Um, I have a couple things going on. I, I just I have if you go to my website, michaeldfield.com, you'll see a lot of the stuff that I've done. Uh, I've also have two books out, Adam Parker and the Radioactive Scout, and Adam Parker and the High School Bully. If you listen to this podcast already, you already know that I've already talked about these books. Uh, I think I spoke last time about finishing up the one of the one of the I'm writing a compilation book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I finished up one of the one of the stories and I started a new one. So that's that's going well. In in a couple months, I'm going to be shooting a short film, a horror film. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, kind of had a little meeting about that the other day. So just trying to, you know, a lot of things. There's some things we're going to try on that. So I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, just, you know, my thing is always writing. That's usually what I'm doing mostly. So I, I want to be able to put the compilation book out at some point um, next year, obviously. I don't want to rush it. But, uh, but yeah, so that's it. Next week, our Forgotten Horror will continue. We're going to continue with the movie 1408, with starring Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack. Mostly John Cusack. <laughs> uh, which is kind of exciting because this is the first one that you have not, first movie we've done where you have not seen it through completion. You've only seen bits and pieces, you said. Well, I thought the, uh, yeah, that's true. Yes. It's not the first movie I've never seen because that's coming up, that's coming the, up week, as well. the week after, right? This is very, yeah, this is a very exciting time for me. I don't, I, <laughs> I, I, I readily admit that I do not get to a lot of horror movies simply because I'm a big baby. No, no. Because I, I, I don't know how to say I've been burned. I just, I'm just not into a lot of the, I'm not a big horror buff. I'll watch them. Someone says, like, oh, this movie's really good. I'll, I'm into it. I'm into, I love the story elements a lot of times of the horror movies, but sometimes they just don't. Every time I watch them, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, so I don't know why. I just never got into horror movies as much, but I have seen plenty. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want everyone to think like I can't watch them. I just excited to have something where he has never seen it before, because now I can ask the question. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so join us next week for that for 1408. And uh, thanks for listening now. Please, uh, like we said before, share and let everyone know what we're doing. And please, please, please. Uh, Rate and review if you can. Uh, But we'll see you next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Wait. Forgotten Horror. Stay spooky, (laughs) y'all. Please don't. What? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs)